0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We're joined today by director, producer, writer Nina Mankes. She is uh, Her latest film is called Brainwashed Sex, Camera, Power. In this eye-opening documentary film by celebrated independent filmmaker Nina Mankus explores the sexual politics of cinematic shot design using clips from hundreds of movies we all love and know from Metropolis to Vertigo to Phantom Thread. Mankus convincingly makes the argument that shot design is gender-based. With that I'd like to introduce to the program Nina Mankus. Welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Tell me a little bit about the inspiration for this film. I am very quickly background wise. I started out as a film projectionist at an art house here in uh, Orange County for a couple of years. We were showing five double bills a week. I saw a lot of films in that period of time, got to know a lot. I've never heard the actual phrase shot design. I've obviously people talk about framing and all that kind of stuff but this is a sort of a reframing of the idea of what a shot design is and and what it means by way of that what inspired this film
1: um i was i was really inspired by my own experience um being a filmmaker myself i was i was at the ucla film school and i had shot my first uh-huh. Feature film, you know, UCLA Film School was, was kind of a hippie school in the, in the 80s uh, when I was there. Um, and I shot a 16 millimeter um, feature film for $5,000 about a prostitute who hates her work. And uh, the, you, you never see her take off her clothes. You, you see these very alienated sex scenes where you just see her face. There's a clip of it in Brainwashed. When I showed that film at the film school, at UCLA Melnitz Hall, um, this young guy stood up and he said, this is the most violent film I've ever seen in my life. You do things that even Brian De Palma doesn't do. And I mean, I knew that the film was confrontational, but I'll never forget that moment because I realized that this film and the way that it portrayed a woman and the way that it portrayed a woman having sex was so violent to this guy's worldview that he actually transformed in his mind into it being more violent than a Brian De Palma movie, which, which was, I felt like, basically a big compliment, but it really highlighted for me this issue of the way that women are photographed. You know, if you don't follow the law, if you don't follow the shot design law, then you're seen as really, really, like, radical revolutionary. You know, it's like, if you think about it, all I was doing was I was focusing on her face instead of her body. Like, is it that big of a deal? Yes, it is that big of a deal.
0: The inspiration was this idea of the male gaze, the framing of women, (laughs) sexualizing women, um, how does, how do those two work together? The shot design and male gaze? I I, I think I understand it, but I just, for our audience, how would you characterize? It?
1: Um, well, the, you know, the original phrase, the male gaze was, was actually used by Laura Mulvey back in her famous um, essay from 1975, which is like 50 years ago, um, visual pleasure and narrative cinema. And Laura Mulvey talked about the position of women in film as to be looked at-ness, um, which is perfect, <laughs> to be looked at-ness, and she sort of wrapped it around psychoanalysis and, you know, fear of castration and all, all sorts of other things, but um, what I'm trying to do in this movie is kind of... Just be really concrete in a way, and really simple. And you know, let's let's not um, go into, you know, some of these psychoanalytic uh, side streets and just look at the fact of how are shots framed and how come, women lead actors and male lead actors are very often not always but often shot very differently by a system that is is so specific that you can name it and track it and see it over decades over genres men do it women do it as bell hooks said patriarchy has no gender So the male gaze is a phrase that's thrown around a lot, and actually it's kind of a big interest right now. If you look at TikTok, if you search Google TikTok hashtag male gaze, it's like 330 million views on on hashtag male gaze. people are interested in this idea of the male gaze and it's usually kind of used in a very general way to to say you know the sexualization of of a woman um, in photography but i'm I'm trying to be you know very very concrete and specific and say well how is that sexualization constructed you know it's constructed through perspective point of view it's constructed through framing. It's constructed through camera movement, a certain kind of camera movement. It's constructed through when do you use slow-mo? You know, is it for women, slow-mo is used to sexualize the woman. For men, slow-mo is used for action. So that basic binary of women, sexual, passive, object, men, active, you know, go-getter subjects, this binary is um, not always but often you know repeated through the history of cinema
0: right and there are dozens of examples in the film with a lot of different perspectives and sort of breaking down these different scenes that we are all familiar with we've all seen very I want to go back to the roots of cinema you know go back to the early 1900s when we were just beginning to understand camera movement film itself how does that intersect? I mean, is it, it, you mentioned it, you just said it, patriarchy, you know, is, is pervasive. So whatever new invention, whatever new mode of communication that would come into play would be part and parcel. At least that would be a, a, an element of it. Yeah. But is there something about the early development of film that kind of set this in motion that's a little different or is noteworthy?
1: Well, um, what, What's noteworthy, in my opinion, and and amazingly, just just to show how suppressed uh, women have been and how suppressed uh, the history of women in cinema has been, is that um, Alice Guy Blachet, who was the first woman to ever create a narrative film uh, in 1896, The Cabbage Fairy, we have it in, in Brainwash, you know, she's just been complete she until 2018 when a when a film came out, you know, dedicated to her life and her work, 2018. I had never heard of her and everyone, most of the people that I know, unless they're like super duper film scholars, but you know, most average people in in film school, let alone any any person on the street never heard of her. Never she was not given recognition for for her you know groundbreaking contribution. And if you look at the cabbage fairy, which is, I believe a one minute film with a woman protagonist, um you see a woman protagonist. You see a woman being a subject in a scene. it's a it's like a fairy, it's the cabbage fairy, and she's like bringing babies out of cabbages. It's really great. and it's very feminine uh, in content, talking about sort of, you know, this metaphor of of giving birth, metaphor of female genitals, probably the cabbages. So this was then the beginning of of narrative filmmaking. And until sound came in with its massive need for capital, i.e. money, women were were very strong in 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 early hollywood you know and and they did a lot and they had a lot of creative control but the minute while we talk about this in the film you know the minute that the sound came in with the with a high financial demand whoosh you know it's sort of women were pushed out and suddenly you know when there were big bucks at stake it somehow shifted
0: i'm so glad you brought up alice because i The first time I'd ever heard of her was that documentary film. I had the director on to talk about it and how instrumental, not only as a filmmaker, but in helping other filmmakers who we all know the names of and how prolific she was. I forget, it's in the dozens and dozens of feature films that she made that went up in a fire. or I can't remember exactly what happened, but lost. But what we do have is just what you described, a very different perspective and just a remarkable person and she persevered through a lot and towards the end of her life she did get some measure some measure of recognition but we've again as you said she's pretty much erased from history
1: and i mean i i teach film I, i never planned to be a teacher but i ended up being a teacher and i teach film and i i never heard of her until 2018. filmmaker i go to film festivals i read i you know, and, and, and until I saw that film, I, I was like, who, you know, and so that's, that's very telling about the whole problem right there. Yeah.
0: One of my our listeners were speaking with Nina Mankis. She is the director of a new documentary film called Brainwashed Sex Camera Power, and it is coming out on, the, I believe, the 21st theatrical release on the 21st of October. Be looking for it, and then also it'll be released, well, it's a theatrical engagement at the DC TV New Firehouse. That's John Alpert's uh, documentary film, Citadel, if you will, Church of of Documentary Films in, in New York City, as well as here in the Lemley Theater chain here in Los Angeles. So be looking for it. Getting this understood and recognized, are there people along the way in cinema? We just mentioned Alice, but in terms of the 40s and 50s or up to today, Who are the the women that were leading the charge? There have been a, a remarkable array of wonderful female filmmakers, but who was pushing earliest and hardest in terms of understanding what this meant? Because a lot of times they weren't getting financed, right? A lot of, you're right, employment opportunities. So yeah, I guess maybe a better way to ask that question is let's step back. This was a system not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, one of our interviewees in uh, Brainwashed, who's also a co producer on the film, Maria Geis, um, she's somewhat more of an expert on the employment history than I am. But um, she was one of the people who really jump started the entire um, uh, revolution that happened here in in Hollywood, she took statistics over to the ACLU and they were shocked, and they took those statistics to the federal government, to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, who realized that they had to do something. And they went into secret um, negotiations with the major Hollywood studios that basically came down to the fact that you are running a illegal sex discrimination operation. And if you don't get it together, you're gonna to be paying billions of dollars in fines. That, that really um, was the first huge thing that happened in 2015, You know, followed by the Me Too movement in 2017, that we are starting to see some shifts, starting being the key word. But to go back um, what you're saying, you know, to go back, I mean I'm not, I'm not an expert on the whole history, but I do know that there were women, I think in the either the 70s or the 80s, maybe 80's, who um, were fighting at the DGA, um, the Directors' Guild of America because they weren't getting any work and they were like women directors were like one percent or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so they you know the, the the battle has been ongoing but we haven't really seen any serious change until this recent action that maria um kind of got going right um but on the backs of you know look the suffragettes i mean it's it's
0: you know, yeah that's true i gonna go back that part you know well, I, right, right. Same, well know. It, well ida lupino right was you she know, was an ida early Pino. She had her own she was creating her own films in the 40s, right?
1: Yeah, well there's a, there were only two women directors uh, for you know from the beginning of sound up till I think 1960 if I'm if I'm not mistaken, which was Dorothy Arzner and Ida Lupino. Two yeah. two women working in Hollywood only for for and, a couple of decades.
0: Right, and Catherine Bigelow I believe was the first woman ever nominated for an Academy Award. uh,
1: Well, she's the first woman who won best. She's the first woman woman to win best director. I think it was 2010 that she won.
0: It would it was for the the, again. There's so many examples. We really could spend quite a long time talking about all of the sort of uh, discriminatory hiring practices, lack of recognition. Are we seeing? Are we seeing we are we're seeing more women who are directing now right yes, I, things yeah. are do, are they moving in the right direction in your yeah, opinion generally
1: definitely i mean yeah. like i said you know starting with maria's action the me right. too movement uh the black lives matter movement as well um i think you're you're seeing sort of finally 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 an awareness um and and you're seeing some some uh movement in in numbers you're seeing i mean i always say like the fact that i got money to make brainwashed is the best example that (laughs) things are changing because that would absolutely not have happened before 2017 not in a million years no one no one would have been interested I never would have gotten the money. If by some miracle I got the money, I wouldn't have been shown in major yeah. film festivals all around the world. Right. You know. So it seems like now is the time. People are ready to hear it. You know, these are things that I've been talking about for thousands of years, it feels. But but now it there's there's it seems like people are ready to listen.
0: More women involved in any aspect of society. We're always better off. The statistic I like to throw out there, every country where women are educated and have access to employment, every single country in the world is statistically better off because of that. Every, and that's that means filmmaking, but that means a lot of other things yeah, as well.
1: This telestrone is ruining planet Earth.
0: The film is called Brainwashed Sex, Camera, Power. We've been joined today by the director, Nina Mankus. Nina, thank you so very much for spending some time with us.
1: Thank you. Everybody come out and see the movie.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar.